Good morning, everybody, and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. I'll be here until 11. This first hour is an open line. You can call us at 356-9397. The Castle Heating and Cooling text line is 351-5357. And after the 10 o'clock news, a conversation with the Jim Dye, the opinions editor of the News Gazette. Talk about some of the editorials that Jim has written, some of his uh, columns, and talk about other items in the news. Right at 356-9397, Mike in Champaign sends me this uh, text. I usually never watch tennis, but I uh, had seen the first two games of that match you're talking about between Anderson and Query. I stopped after that because I thought it would go on all night. You're right about that. Went on until uh, 2 o'clock. I heard you were glad that Anderson won. I don't know about either player, but I was going for Query because I had seen an American flag by his name. I think the other guy was a Russian. Just curious, why would you not go for the American? Both were good from what I saw. Uh, Mike, uh, Kevin Anderson is... uh, from South Africa. He now lives in Florida, and he was uh, an All-American tennis player at the University of Illinois. I know uh, Kevin uh, personally from his uh, time here. In fact, I saw Brad Dancer in the crowd last night, the uh, tennis coach at Illinois. So we're pulling uh, for him because he is an Illini. As a matter of fact, he has dual citizenship. He could be called an American if he wanted to be, but he is uh, loyal evidently to his uh, uh, birthplace, uh, South South Africa. So uh, that's the reason we're pulling for a lot of people around here pulling for Kevin. It was a magnificent uh, night for him. It was uh, something that went on for three and a half hours and the scores were uh, 7-6. He won 7-6. He lost 6-7. Then he won the last of two sets, 6-3, 7-6. Two great uh, servers, and the two guys have played very, very hard. I like Sam Quarry, too. If he had not been playing uh, Kevin Anderson, I'd have been pulling for him, of course. On the other side, uh, there are four... Uh, American women in the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open. Two of them have gone on to the semifinals. The other two play today. we talk more about that as we go along this morning, as well as Stuff Huff coming up on Friday night. Can you imagine a better 
setting, a better storyline than this one. Here you have uh, Kevin Hambly, who was a very successful coach at the University of Illinois in the volleyball, and was uh, so successful that he was, when the coach of the national championship Stanford team retired, Kevin Hambly got the job. They came and got him and took him away all the way out to Stanford. So he's coaching the defending national champions. They are 4-1. and one. They got beat by Penn State. They won four other matches. And who is he playing? Well, he's playing a University of Illinois team that we don't know very much about because we haven't seen him at home yet. But they have won all six matches that they've played. So it's a new coach at Illinois, a young team. Their former coaches from Stanford bringing the national championship team here. Well, if we can't stuff Huff on that night, when, when can we? Other uh, news this morning, uh, getting a little more serious here. Attorneys for the accused kidnapper asked to withdraw from the case, saying that their client can't afford to pay them for a possible death penalty defense. Meanwhile, the donations support the search effort and uh, the living expenses for the family of the kidnapped young woman. Hurricane Irma hits the Caribbean as uh, residents uh, start to evacuate while stocking up on water and food and gas. A CNN writer says that Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, is doing what President Trump can't. That's CNN for you. Putin sells the Russia-Chinese plan to defuse the North Korea crisis. But nonetheless, South Korea is scrambling to bolster its weaponry. They don't know what's going to happen. Democratic County Clerk candidate Aaron Ammons says he is opposed to the consolidation of campus area polling places that was put into place by the current County Clerk Gordy Holton. So those are some of the things that that we can uh, talk about today. Illinois Athletics uh, sends this uh, text this morning. Congratulations on a huge win for Illini men's tennis star Kevin Anderson last night to advance to his first Grand Slam semifinal. And I believe semifinalists in this tournament make somewhere in the neighborhood of $900,000. The winner is up into the Makes a couple of million dollars. I could Google that and find out for sure, but it's uh, in that range. It's a big deal for tennis players and for tennis fans. And it's been uh, raining again, so they've had to close the roof on the Arthur Ashe uh, Tennis Stadium, and that's the only matches that can be played, one at a time. So I don't know what that's going to do. There's a whole bunch of... uh, Semi quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals to be played this weekend. It's 9 12, 59 degrees. What's on your mind today?
text. Is this a text you just sent me in, or is it just a news note? A news story here says the top Senate and House Democrat on Wednesday said their party will support an age package for Hurricane Harvey, along with an increase in the debt limit for three months. Given Republican difficulty in finding the votes for their plan, we believe this proposal offers a bipartisan path forward to ensure prompt delivery of Harvey aid, Harvey aid, as well as avoiding a default, while both sides work together to address government funding. The Dreamers and Healthcare, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer and House Democratic Leader Nancy Pelosi said in a joint statement. We take our first break right here. Phone lines open. What's on your mind? Anything that uh, we talked about here in the, uh, all the sort of little headlines as I give you, kind of an outline of what I want to get to this morning. My stack of stuff here that uh, Reich says. And uh, you can uh, call about those things or you can bring up something entirely new. Uh, Ed found this uh, for me. The men's singles winner will get $3.7 million. $3.7 million for winning the U.S. Uh, Open uh, Tennis Tournament. And if you finish second, you get $1.8 million. The semifinalists make $920,000 each. So... Our buddy Kevin Anderson has made 920000 If he can win the semifinal match, he'll make a minimum of $1.8 million. Even if he gets beat, he'd definitely be the underdog when he gets to the finals because he'd be playing either Rafa Nadal or uh, Nadal or... Um, I, don't, I don't know... Uh, <laughs> That some of final matches are going to come off the, the way they hope. It's a Roger Federer and a Nadal, and it uh, probably will. So one of those two would be in the final. And if uh, Kevin could uh, win his semifinal match, he would be in there in the finals. So this is an exciting time for him. And uh, for his wife, who incidentally was a member of the University of Illinois golf team, that's where they met here at the... U of I. 9 15, 58 degrees, a break here, coming right back. Well, I wonder what's uh, going to happen in the kidnapping case. The current uh, attorneys, Tom Bruno and his sons, Anthony and Evan, they're the attorneys for uh, Brent Christensen, who has been charged with uh, kidnapping. And uh, they say that their client cannot afford to pay them if this, uh, if more charges are filed and this becomes a possible death penalty defense. On Friday of this uh, week, or of uh, let's say Friday of last week is when they filed, I believe, a motion in the U.S. District Court asking to withdraw as his attorneys. 27-year-old man was indicted in July for the kidnapping of the missing 
University of Illinois visiting a, a scholar, uh, Ying Ying Zhang, uh, 26. She has not been located. The FBI has said repeatedly she is presumed dead. She was reported missing on June the 9th. Christensen was arrested June the 30th and has been in custody since that time. A hearing on the Bruno's request is set for 10.30 a.m. Friday before Judge Colin Bruce. Evan Bruno said the motion speaks for itself, declined to answer additional questions. Says on August 28th, the government suggested in open court that it would seek a superseding grand jury indictment on additional charges within the next 30 to 45 days. Attorneys reasonably anticipate that such additional charges may implicate the prospect of capital punishment. Despite the best efforts over the past two months, the defendant and his family have been unable to secure sufficient additional funds to pay attorneys for representation on additional charges. The motion said that Christensen and the Brunos agree that Christensen should proceed with a court-appointed attorney. Given the amount of discovery that the lawyers have been provided by the U.S. Attorney's Office in advance of the trial, which is now scheduled for February, the Brunos asked that a new lawyer be appointed as soon as possible so as not to cause their client further delay. The attorneys, if granted to withdrawal, will remain willing to provide advice and consultation to the new counsel as appropriate pro bono, the motion said. Christensen is being held in the Macon County Jail in Decatur. Well, it makes you wonder, will this delay it even more? Of course, the Brunos would hand over the material that they have and have offered to provide advice and consultation to a new counsel, but, and it wouldn't charge them anything for that uh, part of it. But the new counsel, it would seem to me, would need some, I don't know, need some time. It, we're already uh, talking about uh, February. And this family staying here until something happens until there's some sort of uh, closure. 9.22, and uh, a tweet from the Florida governor, Mr. Scott, says, Do not sit and wait for Hurricane to come. It is extremely dangerous and deadly. It will cause devastation. Get prepared now. Text message came in earlier, said, They are not dreamers. Talking about a different topic now, of course. They are not dreamers. They are children of illegals. To be more exact, they are illegals too. Language matters. 923, 59 degrees. September is among the most popular months to get married. Before you walk down the aisle, Busey suggests setting a solid 
financial footing. Their experts suggest the following tips for financial intimacy. Will you and your spouse-to-be keep finances separate or combined? Consider the individual's spending and saving habits. Making this decision together will help you find a system that works. Couples that tackle money problems together and take responsibility for solving them will find that their relationship is better for it. So calculate monthly costs and choose how bills will be paid, who will write the checks and monitor investments and take care of taxes. Share credit. Let your spouse-to-be know that your credit situation and vice versa. Marrying a person with bad credit will not drag down the score, but their credit will be factored in when applying for joint financing. Knowing ahead of time will help you plan strategically. Develop a plan to shoot down existing debt, starting with the balances that carry the highest interest rates. Set goals and be diligent in reaching them. When you're just starting out, Busey can provide an array of solutions tailored to your specific needs. Keep and manage all of your accounts in one place with the five lines of business. Personal, mortgage, business, cash management, and wealth management. No matter your stage in life, Busey will be there along the way. Visit Busey.com or stop by one of their many convenient locations for solutions to your personal business and wealth management ideas. We go to Hank. Hello, Hank. Good morning, Hank. Uh, yeah. Hey, Jim. How you doing? Good. What's Good. Up? Uh, there was actually a couple things, but I probably only have time for one. I know you're coming up at the bottom of the hour break. Uh, uh, you know, the, the whole Charlottesville thing, I know the uh, Harvey, uh, which uh, Hurricane Harvey, has kind of moved uh, the public dialogue a little bit, and there's not a whole lot that's being said about Charlottesville, despite the volumes of ink that was spilt on that. But I, I think... What that whole situation crystallized, it should have crystallized for some people, is that, uh, you know, there is a far left and a far right in this country. And uh, I think there's a lot of confusion about a political spectrum. You know, how, how does this all work out? Uh, you know, who's the racist, who's the fascist, who's this and who's that? Uh, you know, if, 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 you, if you see the political spectrum not as just a line, but kind of a, a, a strip or a Mobius strip, which is really basically a, a circle with a twist in it. It's not the infinity sign on its side, but it's just a circle. And on the far left, you have big government. Everything is, you know, totalitarian. And then on the right, you have anarchism. Uh, I, I think Charlottesville is better understood knowing that, you, you know, you had the Antifa, uh, who themselves ironically are fascists, uh, you have that that group and OWS, Occupy Wall Street, and some other minor hard left groups, and then you have the far far right anarchists. Essentially, they're anarchists as far as our constitutional republic is concerned. You know, you have the neo Nazis, and you have the uh, the KKK and the white supremacists who 
Hey, to, you know, what, are you, what are you getting to here, right? Well, what I'm getting to, Jim, is is that what we're dealing with are people uh, that are basically on a, about a single point on the spectrum, and that's where the hard left meets the hard right. And the rest of us, I mean, we all like to think that we're the centrists and all. Uh, you know, we really have to condemn both sides on this. Uh, and there's no room for racism. In fact, uh, a classical liberal, uh, which uh, you can go online and, and look that up, uh, what a classical liberal really is, bears little resemblance to the postmodern liberalism we have today. And most classical liberals believe in one race, that we're all the human race, and that we've been endowed by God, or we've been created equal and endowed by God with certain unalienable rights. And uh, that, and I think that's where the middle is in this, this country, is the, the belief that there is a creator, that we do have responsibility to him and responsibility to one another, and that's where our rights are from. I mean, Thomas Jefferson... Uh, Hank, uh, I'm, I'm afraid your, uh, your monologue here is going to have to be cut off because I'm about to hit the news, but to go ahead and, uh, and uh, summarize well, well, I mean, and ra- wrap it up. I mean, I'm, I'm more than happy for you to, to step in you know, on this. I mean, I'm not saying anything that's way out there extreme. I'm just trying to remind no, you. you uh, what you've said basically is a pretty well known, but you've done a good job of uh, summarizing it, and I think that uh, you've... Uh, you made a, an interesting uh, point uh, too that the hurricane has pushed everything off the news. Yeah. Now, yes, now we've got yes. an, now we've got another one coming up. But uh, yes, they do. Uh, was it Irma, Emma, something like that? Oh, no. Irma, Irma uh, is Irma. on yeah. the way to. Uh, and Houston is my old stomping ground. I went through Hurricane <laughs> Carla in 1961. Okay, gotta go, Hank. Thanks. Well, he's making some uh, very good points there, but uh, you need to. Uh, kind of come uh, to the point and say, this is my question or this is my comment. You gave a good uh, history of uh, what uh, has happened there and what is happening in the groups that uh, now President uh, Trump uh, got into big trouble by saying there are good people on both sides. And uh, Hank said uh, basically the... uh, same thing. I know he didn't say there were good people. He just said that there were there's enough blame to go around on both sides for the uh, the problems that were caused there. Nine thirty, sixty degrees at the radio center. Brian Barnard has the news headlines. More open line on a Penny after that. We're back on uh, Penny for Your Thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. Uh, phone lines open at uh, 356-9397. Uh, text us at uh, 3515357. A couple of uh, texts and a couple of uh, news items on the wire. Let me see what we've got here. Dan said, "From uh, Did the Brunos not anticipate possible extra charges when they took the case? I don't know the answer to that. It would be something you'd have to ask the uh, Brunos, but I I would guess that on uh, this kind of uh, case, uh, it would have that, you'd have that in the back of your mind about, uh, you know, how far is the prosecution uh, going with, the, with regard to the charges. And uh, Speaker uh, Ryan says, we will not leave until this is done. He's talking about passing the $8 billion Harvey Disaster Relief Funding Bill. 
And uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Republican from Kentucky, praised President Trump's decision to rescind President Obama's Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, calling it a move that, quote, corrects that fundamental mistake. President Obama wrongly believed that he had the authority to rewrite our immigration law. Today's action by President Trump, this was uh, yesterday, corrects that fundamental mistake. This Congress will continue working on securing our borders and ensuring a lawful system of immigration that works. Well, there's a news story for you, Mr. Bond. There's somebody in the, on the Republican Party saying good things about the president. Doesn't happen very often. Uh, I don't know. Uh, when's the last time uh, Mitch McConnell was uh, so emphatic about something that the president had uh, had done or had suggested be done? I think there is a serious humane issue here that needs to be dealt with. One uh, more line of the uh, Speaker Ryan talking about uh, DACA. Ed Bond and I were talking about the hurricane and the fact that Illinois plays at South Florida uh, next uh, Saturday, but it's uh, this Saturday that they're worried about, and it's expected to move into South Florida area overnight on Saturday into Sunday, making landfall in the Florida Keys before turning north. As a result, uh, UCF has decided to move its game against Memphis, originally scheduled for Saturday to Friday. Three of Florida's seven FBS teams are scheduled to play away games out of the state this weekend. Miami is at Arkansas State, FAU is at Wisconsin, and USF is at UConn. The three other schools, Florida, Florida State, and FIU, are scheduled to play at home on Saturday night. So no word yet about what those teams will do. Right to 3569397. We were talking about uh, the fact the the attorneys have uh, asked to be uh, relieved from the case. Uh, It looks like maybe the the death penalty uh, will be uh, coming along here, uh, and they just said that uh, the the man they are defending is there's just no way he's going to be able to that they're going to be able to to do this job and charge what they need to charge and have him or his family or friends who come up with that kind of money. So they're asking that a court appointed attorney take their place. Some of the money uh, donated to a crowdfunding website to help find this uh, young woman has been used for her family's living and travel expenses. The uh, family released the letter in response to a string of comments on a GoFundMe site expressing doubts about how the donations are being used. Please stop this donation, one commenter wrote. 
the family is taking advantage of using this money to support their future life instead of looking for the lost girl. Another person commented, I think I deserve a refund. As of uh, Tuesday, more than 3,000 people have donated $150,000 through the GoFundMe site established about a week after the disappearance of the young woman from the University of Illinois campus. The family has set a $500,000 fundraising goal. The family's letter, translated from the Chinese, emphasizes the main use of the fund for now is to help find the young woman. The principal purpose of the fundraising project is to help the family cover any costs associated with the search for Ying Ying, which includes a tip reward, traveling expenses, printing expenses, and expenses for hiring experts and private detectives that is on the table. Other purposes for the donations expressed in the letter include helping cover attorney fees, helping with living expenses of the family in the United States, and the future of her parents. Looks like... uh, some of the family is starting to head back to uh, Champagne, and maybe some of the others are. There's speculation that some of the others will uh, will go back uh, as well. Let's uh, go back to the phones for Joe. Hello, Joe. Yes. Good morning. Concerning Charlottesville, uh, I think takes a much more scholarly and analytical approach to it than I do. The way I see it, both sides were domestic terrorist organizations. The police, had they been doing their job, and they weren't because of the mayor there but and the governor, but uh, had they been doing their job, they would have herded them all together and marched them into the closest, deepest lake and been done with it. But uh, it's a situation where there probably were good people on both sides, but they weren't on the sides of either the domestic terrorist organizations. They was just there to protest one form or another, mm-hmm. but they weren't there to cause anarchy. And uh, I think that's where the president got into trouble was he didn't clarify what he was meaning. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's probably right, although he's, he's at that point where... Most everything he says is uh, picked apart by certain members of the media. In fact, most of the members of the media. Yeah, well, it's not going to matter what he says or does. They're going to try to find something, anything, to tear him down. And if they can't find something, they're going to make something up. And uh, that's why I call them the mainstream news vermin, because <laughs> they they don't give us they don't give the people the truth. Uh, they just uh, try to make it up to support their own political agendas. The news vermin. I hadn't heard that one, Joe. <laughs> I've been calling them that for a while, Jim. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, that's, uh, that's what I see them as. All right. Appreciate your call, sir. Thank you. Uh, Speaker Ryan also had something to say about DACA. He says, I think the president was right to give us the time we need to find that compromise. Well, I don't know if six months is going to be enough. Uh, you know, you had a chance to, by you, I um, mean the Congress, 
had a chance to do something about this uh, some time ago, and then you didn't do uh, anything at the time Obama was uh, threatening to do what he did, so he went ahead and did it. And that was what uh, happened uh, yesterday, that the president decided to rescind the Obama-era Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program. This uh, program, as you know, I'm sure, protects from deportation illegal immigrants who were brought to the U.S. as children, and it gives them work permits to allow them to be legally employed. The decision was announced uh, yesterday. We carried it on this uh, station, by the way. It was announced by Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who said they have a six-month delay with Trump essentially punting the issue back to Congress to act. Later in the day, Trump, who during his campaign ran on ending DACA, told reporters of the Dreamers, I have a love for these people, and hopefully now Congress will be able to help them and do it properly, and suggested last night that the policy might change again. Congress now has six months to legalize DACA, something the Obama administration was unable to do. If they can't, I will revisit this issue. 947, a break here. Coming right back on this open line, Jim Dye after the 10 o'clock news. Oh, boy. Stuffed Huff will be rocking on Friday night. Got those big fans going in there and a lot of people. Wonder what is going through Kevin Hambly's mind with regard to this game. Well, I know what it is. He, he, he's now the Stanford coach. He wants to, to win, but he he's playing with a team that he didn't have uh, any uh, any time to uh, to really uh, uh, recruit because of, and most of the ones that won the national championship, a lot of those players are back. And on the other hand, he's playing an Illinois team that uh, has uh, Coach uh, Taylor in uh, an opposite position. And Hamley will be playing against the team that he mostly recruited. So <laughs> let's just go and have some fun. Should be, should be good. Well, we haven't heard from uh, Vladimir Putin uh, for a while, but he says supporting a Russian-Chinese roadmap would help resolve the nuclear crisis on the Korean Peninsula. Speaking after the talks with the visiting South Korean president, Putin, in a televised remarks, urged North Korea's neighbors to support the Russia-Chinese roadmap. He said it offers a genuine way to diffuse the tensions and a step-by-step settlement. We should not give in to emotions and push North Korea into a corner, Putin said at a news conference after the meeting, which was held on the sidelines of a conference on economic development and uh, mostly uh, about Russia's uh, Far East. As never before, everyone should show restraint 
and refrain from steps leading to escalation and tensions. Russia and China both share a border with North Korea. U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley has dismissed the Russia-Chinese roadmap, saying that the United States is done talking about North Korea. The Russian president also slammed the useless sanctions imposed on North Korea and called the U.S. ridiculous for asking for Moscow's help while sanctioning Russian companies. Sanctions of any kind would now be useless and ineffective, Putin said, adding it leads to a road to nowhere. It's ridiculous to put us on the same sanctions list as North Korea and then ask for our help in imposing sanctions on North Korea. This is being done by people who mix up Australia with Austria. (laughs) Putin refrained from outwardly criticizing President Trump, but said the U.S. leader was not my bride and I'm not his groom. While Putin reiterated their opposition to new sanctions against North Korea, he told reporters he had assured the South Korean president that Moscow condemns North Korea's nuclear tests and think it flagrantly violates international law. John is next on the phone. Hi, John. Hi, good morning, Jim. Uh, this is why I say we shouldn't even worry about North Korea because this kid's grandfather did the same thing his father did, and now he's doing it. When the uh, United States and Russia, especially the United States, became superpowers, North Korea was doing the same thing. If they could take over Korea, which led to the Korean War, a Korean conflict, we'd be a superpower. They're still trying to do the same thing. So I wouldn't even worry about it. That's between Russia and China. And we got too much firepower for them, so they don't want to mess with us. So you don't think we ought to worry about it. Is that what you're saying? That's correct. Well, we're wasting too much time on North Korea when you be thinking about doing something for the mainland. We've got a lot of problems here we need to work out, foreign and domestic. We need to you know, work out our problems and deal with North Korea after uh, China and Russia. Well, uh, they got a madman over there that's uh, firing these uh, these uh, bombs uh, that uh, could uh, reach uh, the United States. Well, the problem is this kid, he probably went to McDonald's and didn't get a Happy Meal. They should open up a McDonald's over there. Maybe he'll be happy, but I still say the best diplomacy we got is Dennis Rodman. Send him over there and put his concentration somewhere else. Okay, John. Thank you. Take care. Dennis Rodman. Denny Rodman as uh, ambassador to do something. Well, this Hurricane Irma packing winds of 185 miles per hour making it one of the most powerful Atlantic storms ever recorded. The hurricane's eye roars away from the tiny, tiny island of Barduda and toward St. Martin. Residents along the path scrambling to evacuate while stocking up on water, food, and gas. The massive eye 
stared down on Barbuda early Wednesday, thrashing it with howling winds before it marched along its path on the Caribbean. 185 miles per hour. Wow. Eric is next. Hello, Eric. Good morning, Eric. Hello, Jim. Hello. Can you hear me all right? Yes, sir. Go ahead. Sometimes we have problems. Cell phones, whatnot. I offer a solution on the DACA thing. Get the the 14th Amendment renegotiated. You know, if you come here and you're not a citizen, you know, then your children shouldn't be citizens if they're born here. I don't think just being born here, I I think that's that's one half of our problem in our country right now is that. In other words, do you understand what I'm saying? Well, that's uh, that's what DACA is all about, about the uh, children that are uh, born here. Well, what no, what they they were brought here when they're three or four years old, or you know, in some of these cases, right? So they by by you know their parents were illegals themselves, and they're not citizens. That's what right. I'm saying is the Fourteenth Amendment has this provision that it's on U.S. soil no matter what your origin. Try being, if I went to Germany, you know, and, I, and, and you know, let's say I was of that age again, and a child born, you know, that child's not a German citizen. You know, that, that, that's, that, we have that problem here, is what I'm trying to, to articulate. Well, what do you think is going to happen now? Is uh, the Congress going to come up with another uh, with a, with a uh, immigration uh, rule in this uh, six month period? Well, if I was the president, I would work on cut a deal. As I'd let the eight hundred thousand people stay here, but that would, would, would consider but with with a modified fourteenth amendment, so we won't revisit the problem in the future. Okay, Eric, we're, we're having trouble again with your phone. Uh, thanks for your uh, comments this morning. We appreciate it. Saturday's scheduled college football game between the University of Miami and Arkansas State at Centennial Bank Stadium in Jonesboro, Arkansas, has been canceled due to concerns over Hurricane Irma's potential impact. Now, this is a game they're playing in Arkansas, and they're canceling that. So a lot of people having to make a lot of decisions uh, quickly, and it's uh, they are big decisions when you have to cancel a uh, a football game. It involves so many people, particularly a traveling team. Our time is up. This first hour news is next. Then Jim Dye from the News Gazette here on WDWS in Champaign-Urbana. Welcome back to uh, Penny for Your Thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. My guest uh, during this uh, hour is uh, Jim Dye. He is the opinions editor of the News Gazette. Jim writes the editorials. He writes uh, columns. He writes uh, book reviews. He uh, cleans out the waste uh, baskets and uh, sweeps the, the floor. The butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. He is. <laughs> Very good to see you. All that is proof, Jim. Uh, that's just proof of the fact that I get no respect at work. <laughs> I have to do everything. Well, join the club. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, we're all just uh, sweeping the floor. <laughs> we're all worker bees. Can't, <laughs> that's can't right. 
Attorneys for the accused kidnapper asked to withdraw from the case. That's a Mary Schenck's uh, story in the the paper uh, today. What do you think about that? Well, I think it raises an interesting question. And uh, given the fact that they're uh, months away from a trial, uh, I think the judge might be more inclined to grant the motion than he would be if they were on the eve of trial. But I still think it poses an interesting question because... I mean, this uh, you can't say they didn't know what they were getting into, even though that's what they seem to be saying. They didn't know what they were getting into uh, because uh, this is right from the start been a very complicated, high-profile case that uh, shows every sign of going to trial. So I, I don't know what the judge is going to do with it. He's going to have to balance some interests. And in the end, I, if I were to guess, I would guess he would let them out of it and assign it to a uh, to the federal public defender. At the same time, the judge said he would, be, he would be very reluctant to move the, you know, he had already continued the case to January or February. February. He said he'd be very reluctant to move it again, and so that might play into his decision because if he if he lets them out of the case and assigns a public defender or and, the federal public defender. And that uh, person needs time to Then that person's going to need uh, time, and I don't think you could hold that individual to a February uh, trial date. So uh, I, I was surprised by it. By the motion, but um, you know this is a complicated business. Uh, that's no question. And uh, they say they didn't get enough money. That's what this is all about. It's about money. Uh, they didn't get enough money to make it worth their while, considering all the work that they have to do. Although I think you could make a reasonable argument that they knew what they were getting into. Well, they're uh, talking about uh, capital punishment now. They think that's, well, that's, exactly. uh, that's the deal. Well, that's the deal, and it was the deal, but that was the deal from day one. I mean, it's nothing new that uh, that a kidnapping, I mean, I, I reported this, News Gazette's reported this, the kidnapping involving a death is, uh, there are two penalties, life in prison or possible death penalty. Now, the death penalty is something that has to be, if the prosecutors seek the death penalty, they actually have to get permission of the attorney general of the United States who will review the case. And that would involve, in the past, that's involved lawyers on both sides traveling to Washington, D.C. for mm-hmm. a hearing before the attorney general. So it's, uh, it's a well, much different. they to go back to the grand jury, don't they? Well, you'd have to go back to the grand jury to get the superseding indictment. Right now, that he's just he's just charged with kidnapping. Right. But kidnapping, and that's just kidnapping. Uh, and the penalty for kidnapping is uh, up to life in prison. But they have not charged, but they may charge in the future in a superseding indictment, kidnapping involving a death. Now, they've already said that they believe she's dead, and it's obvious that they they think that the accused is the one who uh, committed the murder in the course of the kidnapping. But if you charge kidnapping in which a death occurs, then that raises the bar, and the penalties are either death or life in prison. And getting the death penalty, getting... Permission to pursue the death penalty requires the approval of the attorney general. So they'll have to go to um, Jeff Sessions and uh, and get that done. I know Steve Beckett had a case uh, <clears throat> in which he traveled to Washington. I forget who the defendant was, but it was the attorney general was uh, the former governor of uh, oh, John Ashbrook. And John Ashbrook ruled in Steve Beckett's case that the government would not seek the death penalty, as I recall it. And... Uh, so it's not a it's not a fait accompli. I mean, if just because the prosecutors won, it doesn't necessarily mean the attorney general is going to grant permission. Okay, let's uh, go to the uh, phones uh, with uh, Jim Dye. Uh, Eric is next. Hello, Eric. 
Hey, good morning, uh, gentlemen. Uh, I was just curious, with, with this case, it seems like Mr. Christensen could uh, save his family, uh, the Brunos, a lot of people a lot of time by just, uh, you know, play, playing ball here, because he didn't, I don't know what what is, uh, what, what's his angle? I mean, uh, I mean, <laughs> I don't think he's got much of a case here. Well, his angle is that he doesn't want to spend the rest of his life in prison, and uh, you, I think you probably uh, are in the vast, among the vast majority of people who think that <clears throat> that he's got some serious issues there in terms of the evidence, and that his only hope, his only real hope is to uh, offer to plead guilty, tell him where the body is in exchange for a life sentence. I think that's probably 100% correct. I don't, yeah. I don't see what else there is. I mean, what's the point of dragging things out and, and, and it's obviously costing, you know, his family. I mean, if they, maybe, you know, the, the, the costs here um, are prohibitive. I mean, to even, to even gratify this, I guess. They're talking about all the, uh, all the materials that have to be sure. exchanged. and uh, Well, the, the, the problem is that he has a constitutional right to a trial, and the mm-hmm. government has to prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt, and that's not up for a vote. It's up, it's up to him. And so uh, you can say rationally, hey, throw in the towel, buddy, but, uh, uh, you know, I don't know that yeah, he's interested I, in that right now. Yeah, I guess, I guess he's... He's a little smarter than uh, than the rest of us. I mean, because if he was, he wouldn't be in the spot to begin with. Well, I was going to say, if he was really smart, he wouldn't have uh, <laughs> did what he was accused. He of. wouldn't have done what he on video. <clears throat> yeah, that's what he wasn't counting on. I think was that he was going to be caught on video. Because truth right. be told, had, had that video not been present, I don't think this ever would have. Uh, well, I think I think that's <laughs> exactly right. You know, the uh, they wouldn't even have found who did it by now. But he's not the right. per- first person. Uh, you know, allegedly, this has got to respect his constitutional rights. If, in fact, Mr. Christensen is guilty, he is not the first criminal in the world who thought he was going to commit the, the perfect crime. I mean, I keep tooting my own homer here, but uh, in one of my columns I wrote about the fact that uh, Loeb and Leopold thought they were going to commit the perfect crime when they kidnapped Bobby Franks and, and beat him to death. But they, the, the, little, the problem was that one of the two killers dropped his eyeglasses at the scene of the crime and and they had, uh, and they traced the prescription on him, and were knocking on their doorsteps uh, a couple of days after the body was found. So, <laughs> lots, you know, it's Murphy's law. Whatever can go wrong, will go wrong. That's why I advise Jim people not to commit murder. <laughs> <laughs> well, when, you go, when you go talk to the first graders, yeah, I do. When I go talk to, the first, I say, listen, you ever heard of Loeb and Leopold? Don't be like them. <laughs> you know, I, I think you might be uh, giving him uh, too much uh, credit. Maybe he just uh, he did this on a, a lark. He picked up. He didn't wasn't even thinking about uh, what might uh, what might happen to him. That uh, it just something happened, and, and he said, "Oh more now now I'm in trouble." <clears throat> well, that's a that's an interesting argument too, because you know, once again, I, I want to stress he hasn't been convicted of anything yet. However, well, that's right. He's we a- know what. We know a lot of what the evidence is, and it doesn't look very good for him. But this bears the markings of a serial killer type scenario. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about serial killers, you know that they act impulsively, that they respond to stresses in their lives, that there are certain patterns that they engage in uh, that you see over and over again. If you read some of these books about uh, profilers, they talk about these kinds of cases. So it's very, it's, I mean, he couldn't have known. <clears throat> Whoever whoever picked her up at that spot she was couldn't have known she was going to be there five minutes at the time. Mm. I mean, so it was strictly a spur-of-the-moment thing, but was he, in fact, out hunting? Or was this something that he just 
he just came on. I mean, if you see the video, which they've released, uh, you can see they trace, they trace the path of the vehicle uh, that, picks the, that picks her up, and that was his vehicle. And, and you can see he drives down the street. You can surmise he saw her. He circles the block, comes back, engages her in conversation. Uh, it's you need some help. You need a ride. You need a ride. He used his uh, his uh, people skills to induce this person into the car, and so was that a the culmination of a carefully plotted out hunt or a spur of the moment? There's somebody who looks vulnerable. I'm going to do it, and who knows? It's just one of those mysteries, probably you know, a question we'll never get an answer to. Well, that's right. There's a possibility that uh, if I uh, do something, uh, th- there's going to be a, a penalty of some sort, and uh, it doesn't sound too good uh, when kidnappers and all this stuff. There's no no evidence that he thought about all those things before he picked her up. No. Uh, you know, it, look at the shooting we had over, over the weekend. Uh this past weekend, there was a, someone that was shot. Uh, it was a fatal killing, and I understand it was an argument over some really inconsequential item. And the, the, the shooting at, near the News Gazette building where the guy had a bottle mm-hmm. of alcohol in one hand and a gun in the other, and he got mm-hmm. in an argument with somebody and he shoots him. A lot of these things are done on spur of the moment, so it's a clear case of act, act with haste and repent and leisure. Let's go to uh, Thomas. Hello, Thomas. Hey, how you doing, Jim? Jim? Good. Well, I just wanted to share with the with you guys and the listening audience. Uh, say, like a week and a half, two weeks before that situation happened, I had uh, which which situation a, are you talking about? Uh, the, the, kidnapping. the kidnapping of okay. the, the Chinese girl. Uh-huh. So um, I had witnessed um, a suspicious vehicle down from um, my business location, and um, I, you know, I saw him sitting down there, and he was sitting in a in a in an area that didn't. Uh, you know, it was like, why would you be there? It was like that, that building was closed. And uh, so I, I got in my car, and I went down and uh, did a little reconnaissance or investigating for myself. And I saw an individual that looked a lot like Mr. Christensen. And um, I called the police, and I let them know, you know, what was going on. But by the time that they got there, uh, he had pulled off, and I, I you know, I kind of, reluctantly felt like I maybe um, signaled something, you know, I was, I, my interest may have, may have spooked him is what mm-hmm. I felt. Uh, what was the location? I was right over on Randolph um, at the, uh, the, there's an alternative school that's uh, there on Randolph, and it was like a Saturday afternoon where they weren't, it was nobody, you know, at the school at that time, and he was sitting uh, parked facing Randolph, and looking, you know, just look like just beyond the building, um, looking northbound where actually there was some kids or some young people that were, you know, out and about in that area. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, he, I, the guy had uh, the, the, the beard. Uh, it was, it was a orangish, you know, kind of brownish type of beard and everything. I can't say for 100% it was him, but I had a strong sense that uh, he was, that that person was up to you know something like what Mr. Christensen did, and I notified the authorities by the way, mm-hmm. and uh, I contacted the FBI as well with that information. So they have me on record uh, of saying this right here. So, but uh, yeah, it kind of uh, it really spooked me out, you know, afterwards thinking that possibly 
uh, it was him that uh, was uh, possibly trying to do that with somebody else. So I just wanted to share that with you. All right. Uh, thank you, uh, Thomas. We need to take a break here. We're at uh, 356-9397 with uh, Jim Dye from the News Gazette. Uh, 1027, uh, 63 degrees here at the Radio Center. Here's a, a column by uh, Jim Dye. Who was shorted by the 11-inch sub? Judges question class action suit that feeds lawyers. Yeah, that was an interesting case. Decision out of the Seventh Circuit uh, in the last two weeks about the mysterious uh, 11-inch Subway sandwich. A couple of years ago, in, <laughs> a couple of years ago in Australia, some kid took a picture, measured his sub sandwich, and it, it came out eleven inches instead of twelve, and somehow his his picture went viral. Another other other news organizations decided to follow up that really serious question, and lawyers filed a lawsuit alleging fraud against Subway. Well, when you bake when you bake uh, the Subway sandwiches, some of them naturally will shrink in size. Not all, not even a majority, but some will. And so uh, Subway, recognizing the public relations issues of it, settled these cla- a class action suit for, I forget how much money was it. Was it? Subway eventually uh, paid up by giving the lawyers $500,000 to go away. <laughs> to, to drop the lawsuit. <laughs> so that would have been a sweet payday for the lawyers, and Subway would have been done with the problem. But uh, there's this lawyer uh, in Washington, D.C. named Mr. Brand, I think, he's associated with the Competitive Enterprise Institute, and he makes it a practice to challenge uh, the settlement of these bogus lawsuits. And in this case, the Seventh Circuit said, you're right, This uh, all this thing did was... Uh, give the lawyers $500,000 and their clients got nothing, (laughs) which is, is that unfair? I don't know. (laughs) Doesn't the legal system exist to service lawyers? (laughs) Anyhow, uh, so they threw the thing out, but uh, it's the interesting class action suits of which, uh, you know, they file these claims on behalf of a set of a class of thousands and thousands of people. And then in, in some cases, uh, the, the lawyers get all the money and the, and the, the, the clients get like maybe a coupon. The, this this is a great quote you have here in, uh, in quotation, Judge uh, Diane Sykes. A class action that seeks only worthless benefits for the class and yields only fees for the class counsel is no better than a racket mm-hmm. and should be dismissed out of hand. And dismissed out of hand, that's right. It's, so what was interesting was there's no fraud. It's just it, sometimes when you bake bread, it shrinks, and sometimes it doesn't shrink. But as, as Judge Sykes pointed out, and it, I must say it was a meticulous opinion, she pointed out that the exact amount of food that goes into an 11-inch sandwich, the, the amount of food that goes into an 11-inch sub post-baking is the same amount that goes into the 12-inch sub post-baking, so you're still getting the same amount of food. <laughs> so remember that next time you go to Subway. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm being cut out of one inch of bread. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 10.30, uh, Brian Barnhart has the news headlines. Uh, back after that with more, and uh, Jim Dye here on uh, Penny for Your Thoughts. 10, uh, 36, 60 degrees at the radio center. What do you think about all this... Uh, stuff with uh, South Korea. Do you, you pay much attention to uh, that? I do, actually, and I think that's a very worrisome uh, situation with, you know, North Korea. Once it's definitely pursuing its uh, nuclear arsenal and uh, seems to be bent on having nukes that can reach the United States, which, you know, I don't know, can we tolerate that or not? Uh, boy, you know, we've lived under the nuclear shadow for so long. 
in the Cold War. And, of course, that's what the Cuban Missile Crisis was all about, was that the, or, or the Soviet Union was installing uh, nukes in, in Cuba that could reach the mainland of the United States. And Kennedy said, we can't have that. We cannot tolerate that kind of a national security threat. You've got to get them out of there. And, of course, that led to some real brinksmanship in which nuclear war was uh, a very real possibility. So now uh, we, were situa- we have a situation where North Korea, uh, which already has tons of missiles trained on South Korea, uh, is kind of creating the same kind of situation. And how far do we go in pushing that? Because we don't want to get in a war with North Korea, because if we do, then South Co- North Korea would lose the war, but in the process they would probably kill millions of people in South Korea. That's not anything that we want or maybe they would send some missiles to japan and you know who well, knows? plus you got uh, russia and china right yeah. next, next to south uh, to north korea and there. once the uh, you know once you open pandora's box and who knows what's next but i think it's a very worrisome situation and north korea shows absolutely no signs of backing off and in fact they as is their habit has been their habit over the years they make it a point to be especially provocative in their insults uh thumbing their nose, you know, saying they're sending these, these are special gifts for the United States and that sort of thing. And they're going to, you know, they're going to melt our nation down to nothing. And they fired one over Japan the other day. Yeah. So, okay. We get, we want a nuclear Japan. Do we want a nuclear South Korea? China doesn't want a war on its doorstep right now. China likes having North Korea as a buffer between South Korea. And so China has that, that geographic space there. And they're aligned with the North Koreans, but they can't be happy with the North Koreans causing such a problem because a problem for North Korea is a problem for China. So, you know, this is one of those things where the national security people are going to be earning their paychecks. Assuming it comes out right, it doesn't come out right, then they will have failed and it could be really bad for the country. Either way, because do we want to have Kim Jong-un with a nuclear arsenal pointed at us? Uh, Okay, well, how do we get him done not to do that? Maybe that you know back in the uh, back in the uh, the uh, Kennedy uh, Russia standoff there uh, that was uh, that was very close. You're absolutely right about that. But at least it would seem that on uh, on both sides they had some people that could think. And now we got a guy in North Korea that uh, I mean I can't trust this guy to. He's just a, he's an absolute idiot. Well, you know he's the third generation family dictator of North Korea, which is a very bizarre. Uh, country to begin with, it is probably the most repressive regime in the United States, or excuse me, in the world, and that's and that is saying a lot. Now, um, it's the Hermit Kingdom; they don't have much contact with the outside world. It's a country where the leadership is built on a, the cult of personality. Uh, yes, you're right; he is odd. And the thing about uh, the thing about uh, Kennedy and Castro was that each of them viewed nuclear war as something that had to be avoided at all costs. And so they worked something out in the end, which gave the appearance of uh, the Soviet Union withdrawing its missiles in exchange for concessions that were that were not really uh, discussed much. But it was a pledge not to, I think it included a pledge not to invade Cuba, and we're going to take some missiles that already should have been taken out of, out of Turkey. They were going to remove those. So Russia got something in the deal. Now, I don't know... Uh, but that was there were rational actors on both sides. So the question is, how rational is Kim Jong Un? I would think he would be able to determine to to determine what the reality is. That he wouldn't survive. Yeah, you want to get uh, that's right. You 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 value your life at all? Yeah, but you know, uh, 
we didn't we go through that with Saddam Hussein? Mm -hmm. Yes, we did. And Saddam Hussein said, "Well, you know, I don't believe you," and he ended up at the end of a rope, but at great cost to the United States. Right, uh, three five six nine three nine seven. Uh, Jim Dye is with us. If you have something you would like to uh, ask uh, Jim, uh, now is the time. Mike says, my theory on uh, Bruno's withdrawing as the attorney for Christensen is that they have had a chance to review the case against their client, and they have calculated they cannot win it would tar their reputation for future business. Uh, well, hmm. I, I think they're probably realistic going into it about about that. Uh, strikes me as dollars and cents, but he might be right. And again, he might not be. <laughs> it, they had to know uh, going in uh, what the, uh, the ramifications of this might be. Oh, absolutely. We're to 356-9397. You know, I've been talking about these folks at uh, Woods Basement Systems uh, for quite some time now, more than uh, 10 years. This year, Woods is celebrating their 31st year in business. Here's a couple things to uh, think about. Are all basement or crawl space wall cracks a problem? Well, I'm talking about the foundation walls of your home. Woods knows all about the leaking basement wall cracks, but did you know that crawl space wall cracks will let water leak into your crawl space? Most of that water gets uh, trapped on top of the vapor barrier, too, and it evaporates up and into your home. And uh, what happens then? Mold. Mold loves that situation. And your air conditioning will be running so much longer and so much harder, so that's double the trouble. Woods Basement Systems has earned the Better Business Bureau Torch Award for Marketplace Ethics five times over the past few years, and so you know you can uh, trust them with your home. Remember, Woods Basement estimates do not cost you anything, so how much is it going to cost you not to fix the problem? A problem might get bigger and bigger. Call Woods Basement Systems for your free estimate today at 888-935-4333 or go online to woodsbasementsystems.com. That's 888-935-4333 or woodsbasementsystems.com. Well, uh, I see in a story by Tom Kasich this morning that uh, uh, Aaron Ammons uh, said he is not uh, in favor of consolidation of the uh, of the polls over on the uh, the campus. This is something that uh, Gordy Hulton put into place, and this is probably just the beginning of a, of a pretty active uh, campaign for that office, and when you think about all the people who want to be governor of the state of <laughs> Illinois now, the, uh, the election uh, coming up here uh, might be pretty interesting. Well, that is a herd of Democratic candidates. There's no question about that. Oh, I love that word, herd. I heard of them, man. They're all... They're all uh, jockeying for position now they've been spending most of their time attacking runners like the personification of evil but as we get closer to the uh, primary uh, they're going to have to start demonizing each other to d to differentiate their candidacies in a way that appeals to the public and that will be interesting to see because i think it will in the end get pretty nasty now chris kennedy was uh, uh in champaign urbana a couple of weeks ago i saw him speak at jupiter's uh, he spoke for a small group of uh, Democratic um, 
enthusiast and uh, thought he did a nice job. He took very he took very veiled punches at Mike Madigan by saying that one of the problems in Illinois is the property tax system and those who profit from it. Uh, Mike Madigan, writing Democratic House Speaker Mike Madigan, uh, being among those who profits the most from handling these property tax appeals. And so you're going to see more of that sort of thing, and it's going to become more and more blatant. Now, pretty soon, I think the the uh, Pritzker, who is the, the favorite of the party bosses, is going to be taking shots as kind of like Madigan's water boy. We'll see what kind of uh, what kind of attraction that gets with the voters. But, you know, the thing about the and I'm a little disturbed about the the Ammons position on the uh, on the uh, polling, places. polling places, because the numbers of votes cast in those in those precincts uh, uh, last year after they were consolidated demonstrated that there was so little turnout that it would be foolish to do anything other than consolidate the the, the precincts because there's simply no turnout uh, that would justify uh, that would justify uh, the money now you, that may be different for a general election but but they did exactly the right thing in uh, modifying those uh, those precincts uh, because there was simply no need to squander money now is his position going to be we should squander money uh, for no point uh, if I'm elected, vote for me for county clerk, and I'll squander your money. Uh, I don't think that's going to be a winning position. But I do think it's interesting that he's running, and you know his wife has certainly carved out a uh, powerful position here uh, as a state rep, and he's looking to duplicate that. Although running on a countywide basis is a little different than running on a strictly Champaign-Urbana uh, basis in terms of the electorate. So it potential to be a very interesting race. He says he uh, wants to. Uh to help uh, boost the turnout on the the campus uh, area precincts. And this story says even though they average fewer than 20 votes on Election Day in April. Yeah, well, he views that, obviously, as... Uh, as I mean, uh, what, what, there wouldn't be any other reason would there to do it. <laughs> yeah, Democrat. That, he views that as an area where they can generate a lot more Democratic votes, and that's why he'd want to turn, boost the turnout. But it's always been a problem uh, for non-national races. I mean, everybody knows about presidential races and students are likely to want to vote in presidential races. But for the most part, they don't care about municipal government. They don't care about county government. They may have some interest in the Senate and the governor's races, but uh, students just are not political. No, with a, with a little luck, they'll graduate and move to someplace else. You know, they're, if, they're, if there was a vote one more than that, they should extend the bar hours on campus, then, <laughs> then you might get some turnout. <laughs> but otherwise... How about on the chief? Uh, or, or, the, or well, the war chant. Well, we know we have voted on the chief. Before. Yes, we the have. Chief won rather substantially. <laughs> that didn't count, however. We haven't voted on the war chants yet. No, well, that I bet the war chant would win too. I know you came out here on uh, Saturday and uh, joined uh, the uh, sports talk show. I did. To I talk was, about that a little bit. I did. I did. I actually got to do that broadcast from the press box. That was the first for me, doing radio from the press box. Yeah, a little early in the morning for you, though. Well, it was a little early in the morning, but, you know, I was incentivized, so I got up early and made my way over there. Traffic wasn't too heavy. Joe says, help me here. I'm trying to understand something. I thought Illinois did away with the death penalty. Illinois did do away with the death penalty. If he is this found is... guilty, does he 
sit in prison on an imaginary death. Uh, <laughs> no, we're talking federal jurors. This case is being prosecuted in federal court. Uh, federal law does carry a death penalty in, in a situation of uh, kidnapping involving a death. So if this case was being tried by Julia Reitz's office, the death penalty would not be available. Since it is uh, being tried in the federal uh, level, the death penalty option is available, but it has to be specifically approved by the attorney general and the attorney general Republican and Democrat over the years have been exceedingly reluctant to approve the um, the pursuit of a death penalty, although one case where they did was the Oklahoma City bombing. You can see why. Another case in Danville where the uh, uh, one drug dealer was accused of sh killing three people, the feds, uh, the attorney general did not give permission to seek the death penalty. So I would think their chances of getting a death penalty in this case I mean, getting approval to seek it would be less than 50%, although it is such a high-profile case and it has such a huge following in China that there might be some other factors that come into play that would support a decision to seek it. Yeah, let's uh, not forget that the feds don't lose very often. Well, the feds don't lose very often. They they pick their own cases to, to charge, and they like to pick winners. And This case, however, was... Uh, this was going to be their jurisdiction no matter what the evidence because of the nature of the crime. We'll take a quick break here. Back with uh, Jim Dye right after that. It's 1050. It's 61 degrees. Another uh, chilly day here in uh, Champaign-Urbana. Well, Jim Dye, uh, I noticed that uh, you and the uh, Chicago Tribune got together today and uh, both had the, the same uh, topic. Tribune says, dreaming and deal-making, turning a good idea into law is what uh, they had to say, but uh, you wrote about that as well. What, what do you think, uh, was this a good move by, uh, turns out, of Sessions that, uh, that made the, uh, the speech and uh, laid down the, the law, but of course it's, uh, it's Trump's deal, and uh, was this a good idea? Well, it's good in the sense that Congress is the policy-making branch of the United States government, and if we're going to have a policy on uh, the children of illegal immigrants who are brought here, uh, even though they're s technically citizens of another country, they've lived here all their lives, there has to be some sort of legislative solution uh, to the problem as opposed to a president simply issuing uh, orders by fiat. Uh, you know, we are a country of laws, so let's make the law and uh, reach a democratic consensus and, and go from there as opposed to... Uh... Now, I thought it was interesting that President Obama said that Trump's decision was political and maybe heartless, he said. and But what's interesting was that Obama issued that ruling or issued his executive order in a blatant political display to his the base, mm -hmm. uh, which didn't turn out after all to vote for Hillary, but was supposed to. Um, so no, qu there's no question that Congress should be passing, should be writing the law. And the question is, will Congress be able to reach a, uh, uh, a general agreement on just this issue. Now, the, the question is, some people are going to say, well, let's throw everything but the kitchen sink into this into this legislation when maybe they should just try to address the, quote, dreamers. I don't know why they call them dreamers because that, that strikes me as just public relations because they were just children when they are brought here, so they weren't dreaming of anything. What about people that are born here? Well, people that are born here, they're they're set. I they're mean, okay. They're, they're okay. I mean, they're citizens under the law. And I noticed you had a caller this morning that said we should change the uh, Constitution, but... Uh, whatever merit that idea has, uh, I think just it will be politically impossible because it's so hard to pass a constitutional amendment.
takes three quarters of the states, and it has to get through Congress first. So that's that's tough. That sounds like something that uh, would take uh, a few uh, days, a few <laughs> at least two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Anna Wall is next. Hello, Anna Wall. We're, uh, just, we have two minutes I to go. I just want to say that I thank my favorite reporter uh, for the wonderful articles that he writes and for making them readable and for expanding my intellectual horizons. Well, thank you very much. But you always say that, though. Of course. <laughs> I mean that. I keep up the good work. Oh, thank you. Tell me, Anna Wall, does he, he slip you a buck now and then, a <laughs> dollar or two to uh, say good things about him? Are you, I beg your pardon, do I what? Are you being bribed to say things? He wants to say, am I paying you oh, to, to make I these changes? I wouldn't tell it if I were. <laughs> well, that's a, good, that's, a very, that's a very good answer. Yeah, that's a non-denial denial, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're in politics. That's what I think. <laughs> hey, well, thanks, Anna Wall. We're in politics. Uh, yeah, I know. We're in <laughs> We're on the running out of time here. Thanks, uh, thanks so much. Uh, Jim Nolan writes uh, public schools on the defensive uh, in the uh, paper. We don't have time to get into this uh, very much, but uh, were you satisfied with uh, what they did with the uh, with the funding? The funding uh, the school funding, uh, school, school funding funding formula legislation. Well, I'm satisfied in the sense that we editorialized repeatedly that. Uh, they ought to get together and, and work out a compromise both sides could live with. And, but, uh, what and they, they did. What they wound up with, uh, it uh, seems like it's uh, it's appeasing uh, both sides. Well, it's both appeasing both sides and aggravating both sides, which I think is the definition of a compromise. So, yeah, no, there's, you know, to give something, you have to get, to get something, you have to give something. And that's what they did. And so Speaker Madigan won on some things and Governor Rauner won on a, on a couple other things. I think Madigan did better in general than Rauner did. But, uh, there were some, there were some major aspects of this thing, the funding rewrite, uh, and the evidence-based rules that sh- will send more money to the schools that need it is a good thing. Hey, thanks for your time this morning. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Okay. Am I going to see you Friday night, Stuffing Huff? Absolutely, yeah. Got to go see uh, the volleyball girls. Here on DWS in Champaign-Urbana.